Hey, welcome back to the Clarinet Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, and this is the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. If you're new here, I welcome you to head to clarinet.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can listen on Apple, Google, Spotify, and many others. And if you've been around for a while, maybe I could interest you in a cool Clarinet t-shirt. We've got some merch available you can check out on the website, and you can check out some special offers from our sponsors and more. If you find that you're enjoying the content and want more of it every week without ads, you can do this at clarinet.com subscribe. Members get access to an ad-free extended version of the show for as little as $1 per month. In today's episode, first of all, I want to apologize. I've been super sick throughout January, so I was unable to produce anything um, in any, any meaningful way. I seem to have got some sort of horrible flu that really set me back. And um, the unfortunate thing is I've actually got like eight or ten episodes ready to go. So over the next few days, I really hope to be getting these out. Uh, episodes with Michelle Anderson, Cornell Volak, Stephen Brown, um, Stanley Drucker, and some others are, are definitely going to be great episodes, and they're all on the way. Today's episode, I will focus on answering a backlog of listener questions that I have. Now, I first did an episode about this last year, and since then, people do send me messages all the time at feedback at clarinet.com, and I do try to answer every message that is sent in. But if I find that there's something I think could be valuable for others to hear, or several people are asking it, I will try to include it in an episode like this. So that's where we are today. I did try to record this episode six months ago, but I was in the car and recorded it there, and I was pretty happy with it. But I got home and the recording didn't work, so that was pretty disappointing and discouraging, so I gave up on it for a few months, and here we are at take two of basically me answering the same questions, so um, I hope that uh, you find this interesting, and like I said, if you have any questions for me, you can send me a message at feedback at clarinet.com or by clicking the contact button on our website. Well, that's it. Let's get started. Uh, but thank you so much to our sponsors for making it all possible, especially to our newest sponsor, Legere Reads, who has come on for the 2020 year. I'm super excited about this because I've been using Legere Reads for a really long time, since back when I was first in marching band. And you know, it was funny back then because they were basically perfect for that activity because they don't dry out and they don't warp in the sun and things like that. But they sure have come a long way. And now they're at a point where any player will feel comfortable using them on the concert stage from, you know, anywhere from Carnegie Hall to your local school band room. So do check them out. There's an ad coming up, but uh, I just want to say thank you to Legere and thank you to our other sponsors for making the show possible. Imagine a reed that offers complex performance and sound, but is washable, recyclable, consistent, doesn't require moistening, and lasts for months instead of days. It's all possible with Legere Reeds, the world's leading synthetic reed brand made right here in Canada. Legere reeds are used exclusively by some of the world's greatest clarinetists, including Eddie Daniels, Corrado Giuffredi, David Schifrin, and many others. And now, it's your turn. Experience Legere reeds at your local music store or by heading to legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E dot com. Take your clarinet to the next level with a new mouthpiece, barrel, or bell from Bakun Musical Services. With free shipping to the United States and Canada, 14-day easy returns, and expert advice, you can be sure that you're making the best choice for your musical needs. After all, the best time to upgrade your clarinet was yesterday, but the second best time is today. Use code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com and save 10% on your next accessory purchase. That's code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com. Encoda is a new app that lets you stream, practice, and perform tens of thousands of music scores. It's kind of like Netflix, but for music. Get a free trial today. Just search for Encoda on your device's app store. That's Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. 
All right, so the first question is actually more of a comment. I'm going to be doing these in reverse chronological order as best as I can remember. Um, so Josh actually sent in a message saying that he really enjoyed my Make 2020 Your Best Year Yet episode. And I have to say that I found this kind of surprising because I was really unsure how that one would be received. So if you did like that, if you did want some other sort of comments about the way that I sort of see things or do things as far as music business is concerned, just let me know and I'd be happy to sort of fill you in there. I think I might actually do, I've been saying this for a while, but I still want to do a series of episodes on financial wellness for musicians, but I'm actually thinking of now doing it in the form of a YouTube series. So if you ever have any content ideas that you can help me come up with, I definitely would appreciate it. And um, like I said, you can message me at feedback at clarinet.com. I always love to hear from from you. So the next question here, this is from an anonymous listener, and it was actually quite a long exchange that we had. Um, so there's not time to sort of read all the messages, but the gist of it was kind of this. He said, I feel like the target market for the credit podcast is professionals who are looking to advance their career goals. Why don't you discuss more about gear and things that amateur players might also be interested in? Um, now, I have to say this kind of took me aback a little bit because I don't consciously do this. Um, but I think that what's kind of happened is the podcast is always sort of it's always sort of been the clarinet world through my lens. I mean, we talk about a lot of subjects that are interested to me and and my sort of goal with this niche, which I think is fairly accurate, is that there's going to be enough other people out there like me interested that it can sort of keep itself afloat. Now, there's actually a lot of people out there. It might not seem like it, but there's a lot of people who play in orchestras or are in college or in grad school or just this entire niche seems to be really sort of well populated. And I guess I have two concerns. And the first one is, is that if I go much farther, um, as far as like expanding the audience, I think that I might dilute the content a bit for the people that are kind of the uh, the target audience, which basically are other people like me who are advancing their careers and, and looking to to learn as much musically as they can and, and interact with some of the greatest players of our time. Actually, you know, an, an example of this was Martin Frost. When I had Martin Frost on the show, I gave some uh, listeners the chance to submit questions on Facebook. And I remember being really disappointed because 90% of the questions that came in were like, could you ask him what type of ligature he uses or what's his favorite brand of reed or this and that? And, you know, I just, I find it so crazy because if you had the chance to talk to Picasso or some other great artist, like I just can't imagine someone caring what type of paintbrush they used or, you know, what hue of paper was their favorite when, when drawing sketches in the moonlight. Like I just, these, these questions, while they are somewhat valuable to the art itself, I think that they they A, won't keep the artist themselves engaged, and B, won't keep me engaged in the conversation. And lastly, I'm just not sure that the value provided will be as deep as some of the really kind of rich conversations that I feel like we do have on the show. Um, Martin Frost, again, to use, him as a, to use him as an example, when we were chatting, there was a point where he went from kind of, we had had a scheduled time of about 40 minutes, but there was a point where I kind of felt like I unlocked him. And he basically told me I had him for as long as I wanted to chat with that afternoon. Um, because when you talk to artists like that, I'm not sure if anyone realizes, but sometimes you get in touch with their agent, they schedule you a time and then like by the minute, that's your time. So if I have that kind of time with someone and I feel like I can unlock them and talk about their career and their life and their music, I'd much rather delve into that stuff than which ligature they have, especially if I've only got 45 minutes. Um, keep in mind, like I'm as excited sometimes or most of the time as you are to hear from these guests. Like these are people who I've wanted to talk to my whole life too. And I just can't 
justify talking about ligatures and and that kind of stuff. So while I can relate, I definitely just don't feel like that's a direction I really want to move in. I think that if you do want um, more discussion about about ligatures and uh, that kind of thing, there are other venues for that. I think you should check out Michelle Anderson's Clarinet Mentors. She does a lot of mentoring for um, adult amateur type players who are advancing in their playing. And um, there's some other channels on YouTube that will probably um, fulfill that sort of goal for you. So I don't know. I, I think that this is the niche I'd prefer to stay in. I didn't really intend to end up here. It's just sort of where I am now, but I like it. I like where we're at as far as the conversations, and I hope that you do too. Um, but, you know, I am open to the idea that maybe others don't feel this way and maybe it would help broaden the audience. So as always, again, send me any thoughts you have on this issue. I'd, I'd really appreciate it. And I do love to hear from people about this kind of thing. So the next question, this is also from an anonymous listener, and this is something maybe I need to do a better job of because a lot of people message me about this every year. But the question is, what is the theme music for the show? Um, now, this does depend on when you've been listening. At the very beginning, it was some kind of, I can't remember the actual name of the piece, but it was something by Tom Powalski. He used to do like a weekly recording and put it up on SoundCloud, and I just thought it was great. So I asked him if I could use it, and he said yes. Um, the second piece was, I think, a piece called Stomp by Michael Lowenstern. And I've loved Michael's music for a long time, ever since back in like 2005 or something when his his album 10 Children came out. I remember being super inspired by it and going to Clarinet Fest and watching him play. And I don't remember if I met him back then, but I just remember being blown away. And, and to me, he was kind of like a god of the bass clarinet at that time, which I guess he still is. Um, and uh, if anything, he's only gotten cooler, actually, with his all-black clarinet. And he flies a plane now and works at Amazon. And he's kind of like the... What's that guy from the the superhero series or whatever? <laughs> uh, Iron Man, the Iron Man of the clarinet world or something like that. He's a pretty cool guy and super friendly too if you ever get to meet him. But anyways, the new song or piece, whatever you want to call it, is called July 14th from his latest album. So if you're interested in any of the music from Michael Lowenstern or what he's up to, I mean, head to his website. It's earspasm.com. You can also find all his stuff on Spotify or Apple Music. I mean, back in the day, I would have recommended people go to CD Baby and pick up the CDs. I mean, that's how I bought them, but that's not really a thing anymore. So um, in fact, most people don't even have CD players. So, but yeah, you can check out Michael's music at his website on any of the online places. And you know what? If you ever get the chance to hear him live, go ahead and do that. He's got great groove. He uses kind of like a looper thing with his computer, and it's a pretty amazing experience. So I've seen him a couple times at various clarinet fests now, and it's it's always a great time. All right, so the next question here, this is from a listener named David, and he asks, Yesterday I was listening to episode 87, live in Calgary, and you were talking about the, the, um, the way you improved your interviews by reading some certain books. I got curious and I was wondering if you could share those references. Sure. Yeah, that's no problem. Um, it might be kind of worth the backstory about why I did this. Um, so when I started the podcast, like I didn't really know anything about interviewing and it was actually kind of an area that I didn't know existed. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but as I started listening to other types of interviews more critically, I realized that the level of listening and response and direction required was actually quite prodigious to do it well. Um, so it's, it's one of those things like you can watch TV, but if you actually think about what's happening sometimes, you'll be blown away by the level of work that goes into some of this stuff. And when I started listening to interviews with a more critical ear, I I would get either really impressed or really discouraged by what I was hearing um, from different interviewers. And I know that's kind of an odd thing to, to, to think about if you've never really thought about it, but, but there it is. So the book 
the one that the main book that really affected me um was one called The Art of the Interview by Martin Perlick. And it was actually super relevant for me because this guy, he interviewed like Frank Zappa and uh, Bernstein and a bunch of other really famous musicians. And so the advice in there was excellent for, for interviewing musicians. And I think that I started listening to it just before the Martin Frost interview, like I was talking about a minute ago, which is about episode nine, because I started to realize like, man, I'm in way over my head here and I'm starting to get some huge names even right away. So I need to learn how to do this better and, and, uh, you know, improve what I was doing. So that was sort of the way I did it. And, um, I think that there's always, you can always study and and there's this sensation that when you get out of school, you're somehow done learning. And if you want to learn something else, you have to go and take a course in it. And that's just not true. I, I found actually that since university, I've done way more learning than when I was in university in a way. And in a way, that's not a fair thing to say, because I think that university kind of taught me how to learn, but, I, I just always learn as much as I can about new things. And if I don't know something, I just figure out how to do it based on reading or great online resources like lynda.com, or I think it's called LinkedIn Learning or something now, but that's an excellent resource. I actually get free access to that through my library. Um, I pay for an annual masterclass.com subscription. On there, I've learned about all sorts of things from cooking to film production. And I just like to remain learning about all sorts of things. And The only disadvantage to this is I sometimes feel that the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know, and it really makes those who are true masters of something seem even more unattainable, ironically. Like, if you you don't really have a great understanding of something and you try, you'll do a good job and you'll be kind of satisfied, I guess. But once you start to know what really goes on, you can really easily be discouraged. And so it's quite hard to keep that beginner's mindset. But anyways, David, long story short, the book is called The Art of the Interview by Martin Perlick or Perlich. I'm not sure how to say that actually. Um, but if you're interested in any other books I've been reading right now, um, lately I've actually been really interested in investing and learning about money. I think it's an area that as musicians we're really lacking in. And um, I think I just said this a minute ago, but but um, the, the book I'm reading right now is called Your Money or Your Life by Joe Dominguez. And it's basically just around trying to declutter yourself financially so that you can save more and invest more and, and sort of reap the rewards of that, right? And if I could pick sort of a favorite in this category, it'd be a book called, and the title is kind of tacky and it's not really a, like a get rich quick book, but it's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. And he is a young guy. I think he's like 28, maybe 30 now, but anyways, he's done extremely well for himself. And this book basically teaches you a lot of stuff that like maybe you wish your parents taught you about investing and saving. And and one of his big things in the book, which I really love, is how he talks about how you should spend frugally, like super frugally on that, which you don't frugally. Is that even a word? <laughs> but you should spend very frugally on the things that you don't care about, um, whatever that may be. Like if you don't really like um, certain activities, don't pay for the premium version of that. And I'm trying to think of an example. For me, I guess it's haircuts. I mean, I have very short hair. I'm, I'm balding. And I started to realize at one point, like, man, why am I why am I still paying for haircuts? I should just do my own haircuts with a with a shaver. So I I save probably three to six hundred dollars a year doing that because this these things add up, right? And then I can put that towards something more interesting. So he says something like, spend frugally on that which you're not interested in, so that you can spend lavishly on that which you love. And this is just such a great line because it other saving methods and other sort of budgeting methods don't work because they ask you to cut everywhere. And what is the pleasure of life if you can't even enjoy the things that you want to enjoy, right? So 
maybe it's okay to buy yourself a $400 pair of headphones if you're a musician and you can write it off. But um, as long as you decide to cut back on your daily expenditure of Starbucks coffee lattes or whatever. But, you know, maybe those lattes are the only thing that gets you through the day. Um, So maybe they're worth it. You know, maybe that's the thing that you really love, right? Um, And that's another one of his comments, actually. And after this, I'll just let you read the book. But he also talks about make fewer $4 decisions and more $40,000 decisions. Like, what is the interest rate on your mortgage going to be, you know, over 30 years? Maybe that's more important than cutting that $4 cup of coffee out of your life. And maybe you should focus on trying to make an extra $5,000 this year than than cutting back on that kind of stuff. So you can't coupon your way to riches, <laughs> but I mean, it does help, right? So anyways, really interesting book. And it's something that I've really, really valued. And I feel that in Canada anyways, our education system is super lacking as far as this kind of training. And especially for musicians, they're just not that well-versed in finances. So um, I've got a couple of friends who are extremely well off from their investing and their alternate career choices. And they've been sort of guiding me in this too a bit. So it's really interesting, uh, definitely an interest of mine that I'm taking up. And uh, if you're interested too, you can check out those books. So this next question has been uh, messaged by several people in in various ways. Um, The gist of it is, how can I pay to subscribe or support the podcast without using Patreon? Um, Now, for those of you who don't know, Patreon is the means by which I deliver the private feed to members. So if you pay the dollar a month minimum um, to join Patreon, you'll get a custom feed, which includes the ad-free extended versions of the podcast when they're available. Um, And that's the same as listening on iTunes or wherever else you happen to listen, right? It just shows up on your player and uh, it's it's that easy. So it's really nice. It's really convenient. Um, Now, the question though is, is how can I access that content without, without Patreon? And, you know, I, I wish I had an answer. I just don't know. Um, I have not thought of a way or come up with a way that could be justifiable to, at this point, expense to completely redesign the website and process these payments manually. Um, Patreon does take, I think, a 25 or 5% management fee um, on all contributions, and that's basically to use their platform. But trust me, that that amount coming off the relatively small number of people subscribed, which is probably in the mid-50s right now, is a heck of a lot less than it would cost me to completely redesign the website. That would probably be into the thousands, to be honest. So I just, at this point, can't really see how that could work. Um, and I do wish that, let's say, someone were to donate $10 for the year. I do wish I could send them a sort of free link to Patreon. But of course, Patreon doesn't work that way because they want their sort of little commission too, right? So um, the best way to support the show is through Patreon or supporting our advertisers or clicking on the affiliate links that you see. Um, That would be fantastic. Things like Amazon or, you know, if you're going to join Amazon Prime, you can do that from the specials page. Um, If you're going to start a website, you can click on SiteGround. Um, We have an affiliate relationship with them as well. And even Modacity, that app that was on the podcast a while ago, um, that's another great way to sort of support the show. But all those ways are appreciated, but they don't give you access to the extended ad-free version. So unfortunately, if you do want access to that, you're going to have to use Patreon for the time being, at least until I can figure out some other way to uh, to do that, which is honestly not a top priority just because it works so incredibly well. I really, really do enjoy the way that Patreon works. Um, so the next question is from, and this is a bit of a long answer, just let me have a sip of coffee here. So the next question, this is from a woman named Megan. 
And she says, I love the podcast. You've mentioned recently that you have a new family member. That's true. I have a daughter now. Um, And she says, I am a freelance clarinetist with a two-year-old and another on the way. I find it so challenging to find the time and energy to practice and take up new projects like I used to. Any thoughts? Um, I can definitely relate. Um, This is a seriously different situation than I was also in a couple years ago before our daughter came, right? And, uh, you know... Having a kid is amazing, but it definitely is a different level of time commitment. And it does change the way you think about things, right? Um, I find in some ways it's made me way more efficient because I I have limited time and I'm not going to squander that time watching YouTube when I have stuff to do, right? So in that way, it's been good. But in another way, it's been really hard because if you want to practice, for me, I used to love songwriting um, with like my keyboard and singing to something or, you know, it's a loud activity. So if you want to practice clarinet or bass guitar or whatever other instrument, I mean, how are you going to do that when there's a baby asleep in the house? And I don't have an answer for that yet. Um, for, for something like bass, I guess you can just put on headphones. Um, clarinet though is a lot more challenging to find the time to practice and rehearse. One idea which I saw locally, which I was actually really disappointed about because there's all this stuff about inclusion lately and and that, but um, there was a mom's group that was set up for moms only. And basically they would uh, meet and help each other babysit and practicing. Now, I really wish it was a parent's group. And I, in this day and age, I kind of find it inappropriate, but we won't get, it, get into that here. But I think that, you know, dads need to practice too. And <laughs> there, there are sure a lot more stay-at-home dads now and, and dads taking care of the kids than there used to be. So for example, in our house, um, I work all day long and in the evening, but from about four or five until eight or nine, my wife teaches piano. So I'm I'm with our daughter. And and that's really great because we don't have to get daycare. And honestly, it is nice to have some time with her. I, I've heard horror stories where some families, the dad just comes home and sees the kids on Friday nights before they go to bed and otherwise not really at all during the week. And and I, would, I wouldn't really like that. So I do like being there. I really am enjoying being a father, but it is tough to find the time to practice. And so I guess long story short with that is, Maybe there's other parents in your community that might be interested in starting some kind of co-op where maybe maybe every Thursday night for, for two hours, um, you kind of just like rotate, right? I mean, someone takes the kids the first Thursday of the month and you get to have a chance to practice and, and uh, you know, the next Thursday you switch it up and someone else does, or maybe even every couple of nights you can do this. Um, but you'd need to probably spearhead this yourself. I don't know it's something that would be available. Um, but man, it, it would sure be nice if there was a more kind of formal solution, but if you have any musical friends or even people who aren't musical, I mean, we sometimes forget that, um, you know, doctors and engineers and, uh, other people with different types of careers would value a night off too, to do something for themselves, right? Not just, not just practicing, but that would be sort of my best thought. Um, also if you have parents or, or family in the area that can help out, that might be really good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a huge struggle and in a way, to be completely honest, and uh, this is not for everyone, so I would be very hesitant to take my own advice here, <laughs> to be honest, but I've kind of just considered that with my current occupation as far as the podcast, and I run a second podcast, and of course I'm running the Clarinet website, I'm doing some teaching at a university here, um, of course I'm also working full-time for Bakun. I mean, I kind of consider my life full right now, um, so I'm not as concerned about pursuing the kinds of opportunities you're talking about, like it's not bothering me that I'm not able to audition for orchestras because that's not in my my game plan right now. It's just not a big deal to me. So, um, but if you're a different type of person, you need to find a way to do this. You have to find 
a way to practice and get your playing to a level that's really going to allow you to, you know, move to the next step. And I think that that would be a a good way. So in a nutshell, I guess you can either consider yourself on sabbatical for a couple of years, which is perfectly reasonable. You know, our society doesn't give enough credit to those who choose to um, take a break. Like I was saying in the last episode, take a break and, you know, just spend the time with your kids. They're not going to get younger again, right? And I'd take no shame in that at all. Um, you might take some time to build back up to where you are, but you definitely will not lose your music skills simply because you took three or four years off to raise your kids and enjoy their their company while they're young, right? Um, but the second thing you can do is try to be sort of more social about it in the sense of trying to arrange group babysitting and rotating. Um, and the third thing would be to try and engage your direct family for some kind of assistance. Um, and I guess one last thing I would add is I've had great success lately now that my daughter's a bit older, just practicing with her around. Like she's on the floor coloring and I'm playing my guitar or playing on my clarinet. And I've actually got her a little nouveau uh, dude, I think the instrument's called, or not dude, it's something else. It's like a recorder flute sort of thing. And she loves playing along with that while I'm practicing. Now it's not as quiet as it used to be. <laughs> and uh, the practice sessions are a bit shorter and less concentrated, but hey, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think that she's enjoying it too. So anyways, I hope that's helpful. And uh, I, I know it was kind of meandering, but it's something I'm still honestly working on figuring out for myself. It is not easy to be a parent and a musician, especially one that's wanting to pursue a performance career at the same time. So good luck with that. And, you know, hey, if you have an update, let me know that you sent me this message almost a year ago. So um, I'm assuming that your second child was born by now. And I'd be interested to see sort of how you're coping or what your thoughts are. And, you know, in honesty, I'd love to have you on the podcast to talk about this. So uh, the invitation is open if you are listening to this. All right, just have a bit more coffee here to try and prolong my voice a bit. Um, this next question, you know, I feel like this was actually submitted by like me. <laughs> this was a really, really hilarious one to get. Um, this person says, her name is Holly, and she says, I'm a clarinetist who loves Radiohead, and I stumbled upon your website with whimsical, unadulterated glee. I have been trying my damnedest to get a hold of the sheet music for Jimmy Hastings's part for the Radiohead song called Life in a Glass House, but I can't find it. Um, do you have this available? And if so, how can I, how can I get it? So I love this comment because I also love Radiohead. Obviously I have a second podcast about Radiohead, which has sort of pod faded a bit, have not been updating it. I hope to continue to do so. And in fact, man, it's sort of totally digress here, but I recently found out that, uh, not only did I recently meet Tom York, um, who's the lead singer of Radiohead in in uh, October in Vancouver, which was a life sort of long dream of mine. But I recently found out that a friend of mine who I went to university with is going to be opening for him for the remainder of his current uh, US tour. So um, that was a bit mind blowing and uh, shows how small the world is really. And I have another friend in, in the UK who, who knows some of the other members personally. I won't divulge too much more information but um yeah it's just it's just crazy i mean how small the world is it seems so big or it seemed impossibly um unlikely when i was younger to ever even be remotely connected to these people and and to know them within one or two um separations of deviation or whatever that's called is pretty amazing so anyways your question is about jimmy hastings and for those who don't know jimmy hastings uh played the clarinet on um, a song called Life in the Glass House by Radiohead. It's kind of a New Orleans jazz, jazzy sort of type song, except it's, you know, in typical Radiohead style, it's extremely dark. Um, and uh, I just, there's a really interesting clarinet solo, which I just wish I could play, but 
they're getting really bad with the delisting and demonetizing of videos on YouTube and and deleting podcasts that share music. I think it's ridiculous. Obviously, this would be in a form of commentary, but um, it's just not worth the risk. So go check out the song. It's from the album Amnesiac called Life in a Glass House. Um, so in short, uh, because of copyright, even if I did have the music, I would be pretty hesitant to pass it along. But I actually do not have the sheet music for this. Um, so I would suggest that if you are looking to to transcribe it yourself, it's really fast. So you can use a piece of software called the Amazing Slowdowner to help you with this. And I do think it'd be a great exercise. And again, just like the last question, if you do find that you are able to transcribe this or you want to talk to me more about it, um, I have I would like to extend an open invitation to you as well to come on the show and let's chat about Radiohead and and the and the. Uh, the uh, recording of this this piece, which is which is really quite cool. It's worth also noting that Jimmy Hastings. I've tried to get him on the podcast since day one. It's always been one of my goals, and um, I just haven't been able to, even though I've been in contact with his university. So I don't know if he's not interested, or maybe for some people, I imagine that they're just not the type of artist who really is that excited about Radiohead, and that's okay. But I mean, if anyone knows Jimmy Hastings or of a way to connect with him. I'd love it if you would uh, sort of put in the plug that I would be interested in talking with him. So he lives in the UK. So anyways, Holly, I'm sorry I don't have the music, but I think that the amazing slowdowner is sort of your key to transcribing it. And um, I definitely think that you will enjoy, um, you know, playing it when you when you get it down. I did a blog post a few years ago about um, some various clarinet covers of Radiohead. There's a group called... Ooh, I can't remember the name right now, but they did like a four clarinet version of a song called Creep. I actually did a version of a song called Motion Picture Soundtrack. And there was about five others. I think I called the post Radiohead, <laughs> which was kind of funny. So anyways, um, yeah, thanks so much for that question. And uh, it's nice to see another Radiohead fan out in the wild. All right. So we got two more questions here. This one is from Jeffrey. He's a clarinetist and he says he's interested in recording his performances and also videos of his performances and, and what type of gear I might recommend. Um... This is such an open-ended question because, it, first of all, I, I don't feel I'm the most qualified person to talk about this. I sort of just use what works for me and fits my budget. But in a way, that is the best thing you can do. Like, if you if you have an unlimited budget, then maybe you can buy you know the best microphone possible. But otherwise, you sort of are going to have to stay within that and pick something that's really suitable to the the use. Um, and that's quite diverse, honestly. So, if you're just recording with your iPhone and you want to put videos out on like YouTube or Facebook or whatever. Honestly, you can get amazing results now. Um, I would just make sure to have one of the newer iPhones with the the way better camera. In the past two or three years, the camera has gone from great to like phenomenal on the iPhones. And the iPhone Pros, I think they're called, it's just, it's totally remarkable. Um, I have the iPhone XR and um, I wish I'd spent the couple hundred extra bucks to get the Pro because it is quite a better um, camera all around. It's just, it's amazing. So my next phone will probably have a better camera than this. But even this, I mean, I've filmed some videos for YouTube so far on it, and I think it worked out really well. It can shoot 4K, gets great quality, and it's great with like the lighting settings. And you can shoot, uh, I think it's 60 frames a second even too. So amazing quality. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that we have this technology that can just fit in our pocket these days. So I would suggest just use your smartphone to start with for that. Um, if you do want to get into cameras, that's actually something I'm doing for this year. And um, I haven't quite figured it out fully yet, but uh, if I do, I will let you know more information about that. Uh, the second thing is sound, obviously. I mean, you're recording clarinet and other instruments, so you'll want to get a good mic. Um, 
the simplest way to just get some kind of audio input that's better than the built-in mic. And it's worth noting that even though the new iPhones are great with the video, they at some point will have to improve the mic technology. It's just it's it's not that it's brutal, but it's it hasn't moved nearly as far or as fast as the camera. And I think that that's just because most people are more easily impressed by the camera or use it more than the microphone. Like everyone you know is taking pictures of their daughter's birthday party, but not everyone you know is is taking voice recordings or recording a podcast or 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 performances or things like this. So I think that the <clears throat> sorry my voice is cracking. Um, let me have some coffee here. I think that things like this are going to be innovated on later, if at all. So your responsibility then will be to choose something that works for you. And I would suggest I use the Shure MV88. It's a great microphone. You can adjust the polar patterns on it. So what that means is like if you want to capture something right in front of you or if you want to capture the whole room, you can do both of those things or any number of customizations. It's actually quite amazing. But I was recently a bit disappointed with it because it picks up a lot of room noise. So when I started doing my new videos for the, the Clarinet um, YouTube channel, which you may or may not have seen, I actually picked up a Rode, uh, I think it's called a V-Mic or something. It's pretty good. Um, it still gets quite a bit of room noise. I'm having trouble getting a good clarinet sound out of it, to be honest, up close, but maybe it would be better from a bit more of a distance. But um, I, I did find that it's it's a little bit better than the Shure in some ways, but the Shure is a little bit better than this one in other ways. So you might want to, if you have a chance, to experiment with both of those. Um, but if you're looking to do any talking, just get a lavalier mic. That would be probably the best. But based on your question and clarinet playing, I'm going to assume that that's not what you're doing. If you have more budget or more need, then you might want to consider actually some kind of audio interface. For the podcast, I use a Focusrite Scarlett. I think it's an 18i6, which is not made anymore, but I mean, whatever they make nowadays is, is definitely good enough, probably even better than what I have, to be honest. But this thing's lasted me like four or five years, maybe six, and it was three or 400 bucks, but it's been totally worth it. It's This thing's recorded the demo for my CD project. It's recorded dozens of performances and hundreds of podcast episodes. It's a real champ and uh, great sound quality, works with the, the Mac interface or PC. It's a great interface. So I'd highly suggest that. Um, and then as far as a microphone for, you know, at home or, or, or use on the road, it's so much depends on your, your use. For the podcast, for my voice, I use a uh, MXL, I think it's called a BCD1. Um, and the reason I use this is because it's about 80% as good as the Shure SM7B, which is like the standard microphone, which maybe someday I'll upgrade to that. But um, it's like $600 Canadian. This one, though, is 80% as good, but only 20% the price. I think I paid 149 bucks, and I'm pretty happy with this microphone. Um, if you want to record more of like a, a group, MXL makes a mic called the, uh, I think it's the 770. Great condenser mic that um, you will need an interface to use, but it's very good and uh, very cheap. We're talking like 60, 80 bucks. But beyond that, um, you might want to check out the episode with Spencer Cheen, who I had on the show. He was the recording engineer on my album. He, When we recorded my project, I had some, some Neumann mics and some other mics that I was able to use. And I think when I sat down, he said something like, you know, no pressure, but you've got $30,000 worth of mics in front of you. And I was like, wow, this is this is crazy, but but he recommends a mic nowadays by a company called Slate Digital, I think it's called. Um, don't quote me on that, but I'll, I'll, if I remember, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But 
it's about a thousand bucks, which might seem like a lot, but it has mic amp modeling and feature modeling of other microphones. You get like a hundred mics in one for a thousand bucks. So if you want something long-term, that's going to really sort of be super versatile, I would definitely suggest that one. Um, you'll still need an interface to run it through and, you know, you can spend as much as you want on all this kind of stuff, but that would be sort of the, the, the budget, um, option. Oh, lastly, and this is an area that I'm still working on. I had another question come in about this too. Um, but lighting, what do you do about lighting? Well, lighting is actually one of the toughest elements of video production and it's still something I'm working out. So when I know more about it, I will maybe do an update, but, uh, for now just, you know, make sure you've got a well-lit room and, um, you want to have the lights positioned so that they, they light your face in a certain way so that you actually are not covered in shadow. Like don't, don't put the lights behind you so that your face is shadowed. You'd want to put them obviously in front and um, you want to use some sort of diffuser so that you look a bit softer instead of, you know, harsh light because that gives some reflection and you'll need makeup and all that kind of thing. So I don't know how close to be to the camera, um, but assuming you're on a stage or something, actually, you'll, you'll probably be fine. So anyways, I hope that was helpful. That's kind of some of the thoughts that go into my recording and what I'm using. I don't want to break the bank for no reason. Um, and that's not to say I don't like quality gear. But I recognize sometimes the limitations of the quality gear. Like, am I really going to get 100% better content because I use a Shure SM7B instead of an, an MXL BCD1? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to sound $400 better. Um, maybe at some point, but uh, you do get a diminishing return on your investment in that case. So it's up to you. You can get what you want, but um, there's there's my suggestions. So now, this is the last question, and I actually cannot remember who sent this in, but I know it was someone from Calgary who I'd had at a clinic, and they saw my thumb rest, which at the time, I was using a Kuiman thumb rest, and they were asking where they can obtain this and whether or not it's worth it. So I know I just said at the beginning I wasn't going to talk too much about gear, but um, this is a pretty good question and pertains to something that I, I was using, so I'll, I'll go ahead and answer it here. You know what, I don't mind talking about some gear sometimes on these kind of episodes, or you know what, maybe I'll bring up the subject more on my YouTube channel. Um, the YouTube channel I want to have more kind of fun with. I want to be kind of uh, just, you know, I, I think one thing Clarinet could use um, on the YouTube side is just be, be fun. I don't, I don't mind having fun. I, I like having fun, but not when I'm interviewing these artists, <laughs> I want to keep it, keep it professional, you know? Um, anyway, so not to totally digress, but I do think that the Queen and Thumbrest is interesting. Um, I enjoyed it while I had it, but I probably won't get it again because I just found, and I had the cheaper version, by the way, it's called the Etude or something about 40 bucks. But you know, at that point, I was using buffet instruments, um, and uh, not that the brown really matters, but the screws didn't fit, though, into it, so you had to re-drill the holes, and I know that other brands will let you just kind of drill in somehow. It's the same screw holes, but the big flaw with the design of that product is that it tilts and wiggles, and so it eventually pulls these screws loose, and what that does, of course, is it ruins the wood, so I had a performance and or maybe it was a recording but i was playing and the the entire thumb rest fell off like not just the the, the removable part it was actually the, the the connecting piece and i had to like i don't remember what i did at the time i think i actually had to like super glue it back which was horrible horrible i ruined the wood underneath it and everything um but uh so that was a sort of a <laughs> bad situation but yeah i don't know it, it was very comfortable um it really did a good job of opening up my hand i think if i had a plastic clarinet 
I would get it again because it sort of would bind. Those screws would bind better with the plastic material. The wood just chips away, right? So it doesn't really work in my experience that well um, long term. And I, I began to get very nervous relying on it. And I just don't think it's something that I would use again in the future. Now, that being said, I know they offer some premium versions um, that are more like three, $400. And I'm absolutely sure that those would be better. So this might have been a case of me mismatching the product to the other product. Like clearly the $40 product is more intended to be used with a, a cheaper clarinet than the three or $400 product. So I probably should have invested in the, the upper end version. Um, and I think it even comes with two plates so you can slide between your two clarinets, something like that. But, um, if you are looking to obtain one of these, I'm not sure if the manufacturer does have a website, but I think you can order them from, uh, I think a, a company's called Muncie wins, but I haven't checked if they're still there. I just, that's where I remember buying mine must've been six or eight years ago now, but, um, I hope that's helpful. And I hope that, um, you did find a solution to that, or you've, you found a way to make it the playing more comfortable. A lot of players these days are, are not tolerating pain or discomfort that I think a generation ago, people would have just kind of played through or thought of as normal, right? So if you're experiencing any kind of discomfort, don't be afraid to go ahead and use a neck strap, um, to try one of these Kuiman type rests that's going to maybe improve your ergonomic comfort. Um, I know I now play Bakun and one thing I love about them is that they've got the little wider thumb rest that, that sort of, um, I don't know, just it spreads the weight out a little bit better. And they have the little neck strap loop there too, so that if you do want to use a neck strap, you can do that. So don't, don't take any shame in it. Um, but you just want to be mindful. One thing is that if you are using a neck strap, you don't want to be like pulling yourself down because that'll create new problems. So you want to get it in such a way that you can sort of set the clarinet and, and be comfortable without any excess strain on your neck. Um, and, or that you're kind of like bending down to the instrument. So well, I hope that you did enjoy this episode today. Um, I love getting these kind of questions from listeners. and I, I do love getting questions from listeners all over the world. So like I said at the beginning, if you do have a question for me, you can click the contact button at clarineat.com or you can send me a message directly at feedback at clarineat.com. And I do reply to... I think every message that I receive, unless it somehow goes to my junk mail or something like that. So you will get a response from me. Just give me a couple of days because I do get a lot of emails and um, it can be difficult to get them all in sometimes. But do have patience and I will get back to your message. So thank you so much to those who make the show possible. All those on Patreon. I think we've got 55 members in there now. Don't forget that if you'd like to be a member and get access to ad free extended content, you can do that for as little as one dollar a month on YouTube. I've got a promotion going where there's a giveaway from Bakun, but it's currently inside of a mystery box. And I'll be announcing what that is and unboxing the box at 2,500 subscribers. So check that out on youtube.com slash Neat. Thanks so much also, of course, to our sponsors. We've got Encoda, that's N-K-O-D-A. You can check them out at encoda.com. They're kind of like the Spotify, but for sheet music, and it's compatible with your iOS or Android device. Again, that's N-K-O-D-A.com. It's called Encoda. And of course, we've got our new sponsor, Legere Reads. You can check them out at legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com or at your local music store. They are the world's leading manufacturer of synthetic reeds. And I have to say, in today's climate, for example, in Calgary, it's very, very cold, very dry. But next week, it could be, you know, 10 degrees above Celsius. And <laughs> then the day after that, minus 40. And these reeds are great because they're super consistent. No matter the temperature, they don't warp. You can even wash them if you get sick and they're recyclable. 
many, many perks. So do check them out. Again, that's Legere.com or at your local music store. They're available, I think, worldwide. You can get them in many, many places. And last but not least, did you know that as a Clarinet listener, you can save 10% on your next Bakun accessory purchase at www.bakunmusical.com. That's B-A-C-K-U-N musical.com. Just use code Clarinet at checkout. This is valid on barrels, bells, and mouthpieces. So it's a great way to save a bit of money and upgrade your gear at the same time. Again, that's code Clarinet at bakunmusical.com. Well, that's it for today's episode. I do hope that you'll join me next time for the top five moments of 2019. There's a lot of great stuff to choose from. We had Keenan Osme on the show, Stanley Drucker, Michael Lowenstern, and many others. And uh, I'm going to feature not only my favorite moments, but also the listener choice, which was selected in the Clarinet community on Facebook, and also the top downloaded episode of the year, which is always fun to discover. So one last thing before we wrap up. This listener question episode, I really did enjoy it, and I hope that you did too, but I've decided going forward to give these episodes exclusively to the uh, the members section of the website. So you can head to clarinet.com slash subscribe, and as a bonus perk for being a subscriber from as little as $1 a month, you'll not only get access to ad-free extended episodes of the show, but exclusive access to these listener question episodes as they come up. So I do welcome anyone to ask a question, but if you want to hear the answers, they will be broadcast exclusively inside the Clarinet member community. All right. So this cold is kind of getting to me again here. So I'm going to have to rest my voice for today, but I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. Mm-hmm.